right now, we thank you so much for bringing, in, bringing us here to this beautiful place to be in your presence, to fixate our minds and our hearts on you. God, you see our hearts and you know our needs and you know the struggles of the week and the joys of the week. God, we're so thankful for the moments that remind us that we can build our lives on you and that you have us and that you're here for us and that we are yours. Help us to stay fixated on you right now as we learn and grow and worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. I said this to the 830 service. I'm going to say it again. These pews down here are not infected. Those of you in the back can move to the front. Don't feel like you have to stay back there. And hopefully in the next few weeks, those pews are going to disappear. So you might want to be moving forward anyway. <laughs> oh, good morning, everybody. We are glad that you're here. We, don't we have a great praise band? I mean, this is, these folks are outstanding. Thank you. I hope this is going to be a, a, a growing service. I appreciate all of you coming out here and feel free to be inviting people to come with you as you gather in this place. But this is a great opportunity for us to be together and be able to celebrate what it means to be God's people. Today we are looking at James 1, 7 through 8. It reads like this, reading from the Good News Translation. If you are unable to make up your mind and undecided in all you do, you must not think that you will receive anything from the Lord. Now, let me point something out about this first before we even go any further. I was working on this, looking for stories, illustrations, like I always do as I was getting ready for this. I came across uh, someone who had used this, and they started talking about how if you have doubt in your life at all, God it creates anger in God and God will never bless you for that. That is not what this verse is saying at all. So don't think that in the least. What it's saying is that God's blessings always flow through faith. And if you have no faith, then it's going to be very difficult for you to experience God's blessings, even if he's trying to pour them out to you. It's going to be hard for you to recognize it if you don't have faith. It does not mean that you are making God mad and God is somehow going to curse you if you don't believe everything every time you think about it. That's not how it works. Now keep that in mind. You'll understand this process a little better as we go through it. Let's pray together. God, open our minds and our hearts. Let your spirit pour into us. Let it pour through us into the world. Help us to learn from you today, O oh Lord, and then help us to live as a people who have learned about you so that we might serve you better. In your name we pray. Amen. A friend of mine died a few years ago. He was one of the last people in the world that you would ever think would die of a heart attack. Louis Heslip was one of the most physically fit individuals that I had ever known, and he was certainly one of the best encouragers that I ever knew. I never knew anybody who would go out of their way to try to encourage someone else as quickly as Louis would. Louis was amazingly intelligent. I've never known if this was a fact, but someone said right after his funeral that 
Louis had a tested IQ of close to 120. He could have been anything in this world that he wanted to be, but Louis loved law enforcement. He was a captain with the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department because that's what he always wanted to do, and he was really good at it. Even people that Louis was having to arrest, he tried to encourage. The only way he didn't do that is if you decided to get in Louis's face. Then Louis became encouraging in a very different way. Anyway, Louis died in his late 50s of a congenital heart defect that no one knew that he had until he was out for one of his short 30-mile bike rides and he just collapsed on the side of the road. On more than one occasion, I was convinced that Louis was demon-possessed. Because no normal God-fearing human in the world would get on a bicycle and try to ride 60 or 70 miles in the mountains just for the fun of it. That boy just wasn't hooked up right and you couldn't make anything else out of it. When I turned 45 years old, I learned something that I had never known before. No dearest man had ever made it to 70 years old in 11 generations. I decided that I needed to be the one that got there. Now, since I've had a couple of cousins that have gotten there, and I'm glad, but I decided that I needed to do something to try to change that. And so I started going to the gym and, and I joined the weight club. And, and for about a month, I was convinced I was going to die. Louis also went to the weight club. Every time Louis saw me there, he, he would come over to the treadmill that I was on and, and he would stand beside me and he'd say, you're doing great, bud. Keep going. You're going to get there. Just keep pushing. And every time he would start that, I would think, oh, just shut up. <laughs> One day I was on the treadmill and Louis walked up beside me and he said, Tommy, why don't you join my cycling class? I was standing outside Louis' cycling class the week before. There was a, a Virginia State trooper who came walking out of his class. He was an ex-Marine. The man had to sit down and rest before he could go take a shower. I looked at Louis and I said, Louis, I think the world of you and I appreciate the invitation, but I'd rather eat a cup of dirt than be in your cycling class. The next morning, I went to the gym. I had just started my workout. I happened to look up, and Louis was coming across the room with a big smile on his face. He said, Tommy, I brought you a present. It was a styrofoam cup full of dirt. <laughs> Louis laughed, and he said, Tommy, look how far you've come in just a few weeks. Just keep at it, buddy. You're doing great, and if I can be of any help to you, just let me know. When God made Louis Heslop, I'm convinced that he poured a bucket load of the spiritual gift of encouragement on that man because Louis was one of the best encouragers that I'd ever seen. One of the worst days that I have had in Blacksburg was the day Louis died. But Louis left this community better than he found it because Louis lived by a mantra that none of his friends are ever going to forget. That mantra was, don't dream your life, live your dream. Louis used to teach uh, high school and uh, college classes that uh, he would start with this particular mantra. He would say, what's your dream? And not just what is it, but is it a good dream? Will it benefit you and will it benefit the people around you? Is it a dream that can make the world a better place? Is it a dream that will encourage other people and, and that will last into the future? 
If you can answer yes to all three of those questions, then don't just dream your life. Live your dream. Go after it. Chase it. Try, try to make that dream come true. Why? Because dreams can be a blessing to your lives. If it's a good dream, if it's a godly dream, that dream can bless not only you, but it can bless your family, it can bless your friends, it can bless the people that are around you. But... If you want that dream to come true, you have to act on that dream. We have to decide to act on faith. If you're unable to make up your mind and you're undecided in all you do, you must not think that you will receive anything from the Lord. You are not going to see God's dream come true if you can't decide to trust and act on that dream that you have. If you don't believe that, then just think about some of the heroes of the Bible. If you even do believe that, think about some of the heroes of the Bible. Noah had a dream that he'd save the world from a flood. But Noah had to act on that dream by deciding to build an ark even when the world is making fun of him. God gave Abraham a dream. That dream was that he would be the father of a great nation. But Abraham had to decide to leave home and go on a journey of faith with God. God gave Moses a dream of, of leading the Hebrew people out of, out of, out of slavery. But, but Moses had to decide that he was going to confront Pharaoh when he knew that Pharaoh wanted him dead. God gave Deborah the dream of being a judge of Israel. But Deborah had to decide to take the risk of being a female judge in a patriarchal society. God gave Mary the dream of being the mother of the Savior of the world, but Mary had to decide to say yes to God's call. Jesus lay, gave a call to the disciples to help him change the world, but those disciples had to decide to leave their careers and follow Jesus. Jesus gave the apostle Paul a call to be a missionary to the Roman Empire, but Paul had to decide to follow Jesus instead of staying with the old way of doing religion. You can't chase a dream by sitting still. If you want to chase a dream, you have to decide to step out and act on that dream. But if you are going to make a positive decision to chase your dream, you're going to have to do three things. First, you're going to have to stop doubting God and doubting yourself. The newest edition of the New International Version of the Bible translates this verse, these two verses we're looking at this way. Those who doubt should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all they do. What that's basically saying is believe in God and believe in yourself. Like I said last week, we're made in the image of God, which means we're created with gifts and talents to succeed. It may be harder for some of us than it is for others, but we're created in God's image. So believe in God and believe in what God has created. Don't let your doubts in yourself or in God stop your dreams. Second, you have to invest to succeed. 
If you want your dream to come true, you have to decide that you're going to invest your time, your money, your reputation, your energy, and your faith in the things that will make God's dream come true. You can't move ahead and you can't honor God by doing the least that you can do to try to get by with. If you want to succeed, start chasing the dream by investing in the first fruits of the gifts that God has given you. Third, if you want to succeed, you have to let go of security. Or to say it a different way, you have to let go of the past and start moving to the future. The hardest years of my life were the three years that I was the pastor of Northside Drive Church in Atlanta. I didn't fit them. They didn't fit me. Finally, we decided we didn't fit each other, and I decided to resign and move along. That was one of the hardest things that I have ever done. That church was my security. I had a wife. I had three kids. I had a mortgage. I had a car payment. There wasn't anything that felt good about walking away from that. I didn't have another church to go to. I didn't have another job to go to. Letting go of that security was hard, but I couldn't move forward if I didn't let go of the past. So I did. And just two weeks after I did, God started opening doors for me. And those doors restored my confidence in myself, restored my confidence that God had a dream for my life and he wanted me to keep, keep chasing it. And that, 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 those open doors were steps that led to this church. And this church has been 26 of the best years of my life. I told someone yesterday, I was pastor of the church in Atlanta for three years. It felt like 30. I've been the pastor of this church for 26 years and it feels like two. It's night and day. I followed God's dream, but I had to let go of what was behind me. You can't move forward if you won't let go of whatever's holding you back. And most of us won't let go of the past unless we have faith that God has a dream for tomorrow that's bigger than what we've experienced in yesterday. So how do we move forward with God's dream? Well, I suggest that, number one, you start by praying. Pray for guidance. The Bible says, if any of you need wisdom, you should ask God and it will be given to you. If you truly believe God has a dream for your life, then ask God what it is and, and trust him to help you do it. Start by reading the Bible. That goes hand in hand with prayer. A lot of the answers to the problems that we have in life, somebody else has already experienced. They've already been down that road. See how they dealt with it. See how God dealt with them. See the things that God revealed to them as they were going along. The scriptures have a lot of guidance for us in the midst of the struggles that we are in, look at them and try to figure out exactly what God has already said about the situation that you're in. Here's a truth that ought to be obvious, but for some reason it's not always obvious for us. The more you know about Jesus, the more you'll know about the mind of God. Jesus was the mind of God in the flesh. The more you learn about him, the more you're going to understand about the God you worship. So go to the scriptures, read the gospels, see how Jesus functioned, see how he loved, see how he lived, see the way he acted, and then you'll learn a great deal about how you are to move forward as well. Read the Bible, discover the mind of God, and chase your dream. Then 
listen for God's still small voice that's speaking within you. God doesn't just speak through the Bible. He also speaks to us directly. The Bible says the peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. God is on our side. He wants to guide us. He wants us to succeed, but we have to listen with our hearts. In 1992, I went to North Stein Drive Church from Charlotte, North Carolina. On paper, it looked like a dream come true. The search committee was excited. The dreams that they had for their church seemed to fit me like a glove. It looked like nirvana, but down inside my gut, it always felt bad. I, I felt like there was something wrong. There was just this nagging feeling that there was something that wasn't right about it. God's still small voice did everything in the world but come to me in a burning bush to try to tell me that that wasn't the right place for me. But I wasn't listening because God wasn't telling me what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear God tell me it was fine to go down there. I wanted to go. I looked at it and I thought, everything's right about this. Surely I, my feelings got to be wrong. So I ignored what God was trying to tell me in his still small voice. And I went to Atlanta and in less than a month, I knew that God was right and I was wrong. And it was a miserable experience. Listen for God's voice. Listen to what he's trying to say to you. What do I need to know that only God can tell me? Number two, if you want to move forward, get the facts. There, there isn't any contradiction between faith and fact. Proverbs 13, uh, 16. All who are product, are who are, dad, blame it. <laughs> Let's try this again. All who are prudent act with knowledge. Before I came to this church, I found out everything that I could find out about it. I called the previous pastor, Dr. Ray Allen, and I talked to him about the church. I called the director of the Baptist General Association of Virginia, and I talked to him about it. I called the mayor of Blacksburg, and I asked him what kind of reputation this church had in the town. I called Dr. Linda Bridges, who was a professor at the seminary in Richmond, because I knew she had spoken here. I called the president of the seminary in Richmond, because I knew he had recommended me here. I called Dr. Bob Dale because I knew he had done some consulting here. I found out as much as I could find out about this church because I knew knowledge is power. Faith and knowledge work hand in hand. So if you want to chase God's dream, get the facts while you're listening for God's voice. Number three, before you move on, count the cost. Jesus said, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Every decision is going to have a price tag. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost energy. It's going to cost the, your reputation. It's going to cost talent. It's going to cost resources. So ask yourself if it's worth the cost to chase your dream. Number four, prepare for the problems. Here's a true blue fact. If you decide to chase your dreams, you are going to have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't try to ignore the problems because I promise you the problems are not going to ignore you. Prepare for the problems. Proverbs 22, 3, a prudent person foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. Number five, face your fears 
ears with faith. Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid to try. Yes, it's probably going to be hard, but the only way that you are guaranteed to fail is to not try. I have another friend who is a cop. I've got a lot of those. That's what happens when you're, when you're a chaplain of a police organization. It's a statewide, nationwide organization. Have another friend who was a cop. He was a cop with the Connecticut State Police. He was one of the first officers to go inside Sandy Hook School when they had their mass shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. I was with Patrick just a few years ago at one of those seminars. I looked at Patrick and I said, Patrick, were you afraid when you were going in that building? Patrick looked at me like I'd grown two heads and he said well duh idiot he said of course I was afraid but I knew that I couldn't stop the evil if I was sitting in my car if I was going to stop that man from killing more children I had to go after him but I knew the Lord was on my side so I wasn't going alone Isaiah 41, 13, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. The reason most people don't chase the future is fear. Fear that you'll make a mistake or fear that you'll fail or fear that you'll get embarrassed or fear that people are going to be laughing at you or fear of rejection, fear that you won't live up to your commitments in life. There are all kinds of things that we are afraid of in life. Fear is almost always what keeps us from being decisive in our lives. But listen to this. If you wait until everything's perfect, if you wait until there's never any problems, then you are never going to move forward. You have to move forward in faith. You have to keep going. If you let fear stop you, you're never going to accomplish anything. Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Fear is the enemy, but faith is the antidote. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? We have, been, we have come up with a new vision, a new dream that we have for our church, and we've been putting that before the church for weeks and weeks now. We've been trying to get the church on board with everything that we're trying to do. Yes, we are afraid. There is no question about that. There are lots of things that we have to do, and, 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 it, and it's going to take a lot to get that done. But if we let, let our fears stop us in anything, then we will never accomplish what needs to be done our God is on our side if God is for us who can be against us trust God with your life trust God with your future trust God to love you trust that God wants the very best for you trust that God wants the best for your church trust the be God, God that he wants the best for whatever is out in front of you trust God to forgive you for the failures that you have already had trust God to believe in you even when you're finding it hard to believe in him trust God because God has a dream for your life and he can empower that dream don't dream your life live your dream by the love and the power of God live your dream trust God let go and claim the future with hope because God is for us who can be against us let's pray together 
Holy God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this day. I thank you that you have a dream for every human being that is on this planet. Help us, O oh Lord, to not give up on that dream, to not be afraid of that dream. Help us to look for it as carefully as we can and help us to know that you're on our side and that you're never going to give up on us. Help us to trust you for the future that's out in front of us. Help us to trust you to see our lives as they are and to want to be on our side for it. Lord, some of us may need to give our lives to you for the very first time. Give us the courage to come to you and say, Lord, I know that you're what's been missing in my life, and I know that I need you. Come into my life, Lord, and fill me with your presence and help me to trust that if I walk with you, I'll be walking where you want me to go. Hear a prayer, Lord, for it's in your name we offer it. Amen. If you've come here today and you've decided to give your life to Jesus, if you'll come, we'll help you with that. If you'd like to join the church, let us know and we'll help you with that as well. We're about to leave this room, go into the room knowing God has dreams for all of us. Let's chase that dream and let's try to glorify him as we go. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.